Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. to another episode of Wookie Radio. Sorry, the wife is listening to a movie in the other in the other room and it, one of those scenes that's distracting me. <laughs> um, it like I said, it is Wookie Radio. Uh, it is the Smugglers 2. For some reason, Ken decided to take some extra time on some planet that he thought it was for rest and relaxation before he realized that only happens in Star Trek. <laughs> no offense to you Star Trek fans out there, because we kind of are ourselves. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's all in good fun. Yeah. Um, so I had a story and it's gone because I wanted to make sure I got the info right. Um, to get the business stuff out of the way. Uh, ooh. Go to the homepage, wikiradio.net. On the side, you'll see our affiliates, Ripped Apparel, Superhero Stuff, Loot Crate, um, TV Store Online. Uh, but if you go to one of our sister sites, either Weeby Geeks or Mighty Marvel Geeks, or no, just Weeby Geeks or the network, WeebyGeeksPC.com, um, we have added Fan Chest. The only reason why I bring it up is there's a lot, a lot of the leagues. NBA has done it. NHL's done it. Um, Major League Baseball's done it. The minor leagues have done it in all sports. And that is Fan Chest. Fan Chest is a is a box similar to um, super to the hero box from superhero stuff. You order your team that you like. Right now, there's still a limited number of teams available. But order the team that you like. Uh, it's what sixty bucks. Is it for most most of the boxes? Is that what we saw the other the other day? Uh, I think it was something like that. But you're getting. Um, but I I think some of the more popular teams are a little more expensive. But you're guaranteed eighty bucks worth of merch. When and when you look at some of the stuff that they have in it, like oh, what do we say? Uh, they had Tervis mugs. Um, trying to trying to find a picture of a good one. Um, I have the lightning, the Tampa Bay Lightning fan chest coming. Um, it is one of my teams that I, I do follow. The other team that I follow is Colorado and Carolina. I got friends who both work for there. Uh, Tampa is just down the road. Um, but they were, where was the one, the one box that I saw, like the Rangers, New York Rangers is a great box to see. They have a fan chest that, oh, where is it? There it is. Um, different things in it that were in this fan chest. A knit hat, uh, obviously because it's winter most places. 
um, a nice fleece throw. Those fleece throws tend to be 20 bucks alone. Um, T-shirt, uh, string bag, decals, uh, bottle cozy, bunch of different things. I mean, some great stuff in these. Um, you, you, you can't go wrong with it. Uh, you're guaranteed at least five Tampa Bay, well, like with the lightning box, five or whatever your team box, the basic box, you're guaranteed at least five items. Uh, every box includes a golden ticket where fans can win VIP experiences or signed memorabilia. And everything's all licensed, and you'll get guaranteed $80 plus worth of value. So it's pretty cool. And it's stuff that you can all wear to Star Wars Night. And then you can pick up your Star Wars Night shirt at the arena. So beyond that, any any topics you want us to talk about, hit us up on our speak pipe, or you can leave us an email on the website or a voicemail on the website, or email us at wookie at wookieradio.net. Facebook, Twitter is Wookie Radio. So, now we're done with that. Let's cut right to the chase. Star Wars Rebels. Done. Over with. Kaput. Finito. Hasta la bye-bye. Yep. Happy trails to you. Na, 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 na. Na, 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 na. Hey, hey, hey. Goodbye. All too soon. I wish it was sticking around. I know. What are we going to do now? <laughs> crawl in the corner, curl up like a little baby and cry. <laughs> Watch DC shows on CW. I suppose. Start start the letter writing campaign to bring back the DC superpower block on Cartoon Network. <laughs> like that's going to happen. Um, well, we know Filoni's working on a new series. Because they were... They were talking about that last year at Celebration, that there's a new series coming. What it will be, cartoon-wise, or animated-wise, don't know. But we'll be right there waiting. Um, but, I mean, first episode of Fool's Hope. There were some there were some cool moments in this. Yeah. Um, one, we see Hondo back. We see, yep. we see Hera uh, recruiting the gang, uh, in which we get, um, get everyone together um the clones come back and it and it's cool how with uh when they take off for to go get um because obviously Hera flies off planet at this point to go do the recruiting especially get the clones the the clones seem to have upgraded their transport just a wee bit it's no longer the ATTE it's the the AT-HAT yeah. With a huge landing platform on top. <laughs> that was cool. You know what's funny, too, is when I was watching that, when I when I saw that scene, I'm sitting there, I'm watching it, I'm like, and I didn't even catch on at first. And then also I'm like, hey, wait a minute, they didn't have an ad at before. <laughs> I, I, I saw it, I'm like, wait, when did they get an ad at? Oh, they must have taken one of the ones that was left behind. <laughs> Since apparently that's better firepower than the old ATTs. Um, so when when they went, uh, the clone commanders Wolf and, and Rex were there. Uh, Visago, um, Callus, Hondo, Melch, uh, Ketsu, Mart, Ryder, and uh, Jaikel were all there as well. Now, people we've come to grow and love over the last four seasons, and they're all here ready to help. And no, really, none of them had to be convinced that this is what was going to happen. Yeah, um, 
what was interesting was that Hondo didn't even put up a fight at all, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah. He said, uh, basically said, you know, he would do anything for Ezra. So that's pretty cool. Considering what Ezra used the Lando <laughs> uh, alias the first time they meet. <laughs> yeah. Um, then, of course, a little later, uh, yeah, they head back towards Loth- uh, Lothal and they come out of hyperspace and they shut off all engines. Or shut down everything. They go, and Hondo tells them, get right on that edge of the hyper. Uh, in the hyperspace lanes. Mm. Because when the Imperial ship comes in, they could tag onto that and get down to the planet. Bypass the brigade. Yeah, the the uh, blockade. So here comes the freighter, and they attach themselves to the magnetic lock, listen to everything, make sure everything's cool, get down to the planet, and this is where we have the new, new thing. Um, or the new direction, actually. So... Try to remember what. So they all talk. Everyone gets together. They start the plan, um, and everyone thinks Ezra's a fool for doing what he wants to do. Well, it's hard to argue. <laughs> true, true. Um, so with all this, uh, sorry, I'm trying to get my notes together. Uh, with all this, you know, Price gets involved. Um, she's. She receives a, a communique all of a sudden. You know, we cut to Bri- uh, Governor Price, and she re- receives a communique from from Ryder. You know, of course, this is when we find out Ryder had one time been um, what you call it, governor as well of Lothal, and he kind of tips the the Empire off. Uh, you know, Bryce and the Empire off on what's being planned, and following the tip. The the Empire arrives to capture the rebels, you know, because they now know the source of the rebel base. Um, A big firefight breaks out, which is kind of cool because we see see Zeb grab the one gun and just use it like like it was nothing. Yeah, the the Gatling gun. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that was a great um, that was a great battle. The whole thing was just really good. Yep. So as they continue. Um, the attack. They're they're what on the ore crawler at this point, right? Yeah, uh, yes. That they had ca- they had captured or took over at that one point. Yes. Um, yeah. You now the the empire is continuing their attack uh, to forcing Ezra and Zeb to make a a desperate leap, and then out of nowhere, the ghost shows up, and everything just. Or the, the the ghost sends signal to Ezra that they're there and ready, and then Ryder rises and and continues the illusion that he has betrayed the rebels, or did he? Mm. And then he he says that one line: "Getting you to come all the way out here was part of our plan." <laughs> Price is like, "Say what?" And all of a sudden, the ghost appears. Uh, everyone is. is you know, now tides turning against the Empire. And it was cool that as the Lothal Wolves were coming in to help, uh, uh, at, of course, they show up as as uh, Rook has got Ezra cornered. That um, was awesome. The, the Wolves come out and attack. 
And I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that's cool when when he chased him into the darkness. Now I don't and he know. He just lit up his lightsaber. Yeah. And then all, well, the eyes lit up first on the wolves. Then yes, the lightsaber. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if you had noticed. Every time the wolves went to grab a stormtrooper to toss him around or carry him around, they didn't yell. They squeaked like a squeak toy. <laughs> I actually didn't notice that. <laughs> uh, that's so, hilarious. So now you're going to go back and go, okay, this is interesting. <laughs> stormtrooper awesome. squeakies. Mm-hmm. That I think that might be the show title right there. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Stormtrooper squeakies. I like it. Stormy squeakies. <laughs> so um, the dust settles. The rebels are victorious, but it's not over because, you know, Ezra's going, we got to chase them off the planet. We got to get them out of here. We got to show that the galaxy that despite their power, they, they can be defeated. So... Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull off of oh, where'd it go the the five highlights from a fool's hope to to continue us on. Um, this is just the beginning. Oh, I guess we did kind of wrap up now with them saying we got to chase them off the planet. Well, that kind of wraps up a fool's hope. <laughs> now the the tidbit of this is this was not the original name of this episode. Indeed, I um, just read that. The 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 things that are cool with um, stores dot com with their coverage. They even did this with the Clone Wars. They had the different galleries, you know, the actual episode gallery, the trivia gallery, the behind-the-scenes gallery, um, mm-hmm. which this was originally called Ezra's Gambit, not um, a fool's hope is more of a reference to a quote from Gandalf, so a little Lord of the Rings tie in there. I love that. That's awesome. Um, the, the support ships... Blockading Lothal are actually designs from uh, the Imperial Dreadnoughts from the old that figured so so big in the Thrawn trilogy, and they go back to the 1990 Imperial source book from West End Games. So it's cool how uh-huh. Filoni or the creators would pull things from uh, what call it from from previous sources. So again pulling stuff from the old EU that was never canon into the new into what's currently canon because those old the old games they weren't canon nope I mean there was stuff I mean Star Trek had a tabletop role-playing game and there was a bunch of ships and everything in there that you never saw in the official Star Trek ships guides or anything else that wasn't canon for Star Trek either but people tried <laughs> they always try so um there was that one time, um, according to this trivia slides, an earlier draft of the episode script included a scene collecting the villains plotting the Empire's future, which would have called for the inclusion of director Krennic, who was ultimately designed but never built as the scene was cut early on. Mm-hmm. So we came real close to seeing Krennic in the series. That's kind of a shame. That so, been- what? brother talking to brother. <laughs> mm. Because it's Mickelson, it's the two Mickelson brothers that are voice. You know, Mills Mickelson is the is Krennic, right? All right, yes. Mm-hmm. And then his brother is the voice of Thrawn. Um, so from here, we're going to go on to the family reunion. Um, it's when we hit this one. It's like okay, now becomes the fun one. Now we get to the end. Um, and it, and it starts off with 
with Ezra t- staring at a a picture of his parents or a hologram of his parents. And he goes, I know what I need to do now. Um, I know everything I've done and, and will do began with, with you. So basically going pre the start of the series, how he was always a, rebe- a rebel against the Empire to begin with. And it just carried even further as he kind of became the voice of the Outer Rim in Rebels. That essentially this is where the rebellion began. Or, or the tie, you know, this, this shows kind of where, where that really, would it be safe to say Ezra's the one who, who, um, caused the different cells to, to unite together or made all the cells more aware that there was more than just them, that there is a stronger front than they thought there was? Well, I don't know. I don't know if I would say just Ezra or the like the whole ghost crew possibly. Well, it was because. I, well, it was yes because of the ghost crew, but uh, season one, near the end of season one, when Ezra gets to the the old um, resistance or rebellion network, that hidden network that he broadcast on, mm-hmm. it's when all of a sudden. Fulcrum identifies herself as Ahsoka, and and everything continues from there. And then we start hearing about other other factions out there that are close because mm. it all goes over the subspace radio, reaching out to other other groups. Ezra is possibly the voice of of unification. Uh, yeah, I think he was definitely or the spark of unification. Yeah. Because I, I kind of think Hera had a lot to do with it too. Yeah, we're trying to trying to get them all together. I, th- I think she might have been a threat as well because you know the ghost was pulling from here, dropping off there, and, and we right. still truly don't know how much reach she had. But we know she didn't reach. She wasn't reaching out to Yavin. She wasn't reaching out to some of the other mm-hmm. further planets beforehand. Not until after Ezra, and then the exposure of Balagana going, "Hey, you need to be part of this bigger picture." And because of you, we now know how how big the reach is, and we and there is hope. Um, so the rebels hatched their their ultimate plan to to free Lothal. Um, and of course, under some some persuasion and help of the Loth Wolf or a lo- some Loth Wolves, um, the cap the you know, Governor Price, who's being held captive, agrees to transmit the landing codes to the Imperial base. The the Ghost Crew, not at first, but <laughs> again with a little persuasion, um, the crew and friends um, pose as her prisoners with Ezra and Sabine disguised as biker scouts. How they uh, it, it's funny how it's always those two. Yeah, and always biker scouts. <laughs> yeah. So we're trying to. So I guess we're trying to say biker scouts are the smaller troops. <laughs> it seems that way. Um, well, I guess that makes sense. You know, being on the bike, but, the speeder bike, you you want to be smaller. So are they trying to say you have to be jockey height to ride a speeder bike. <laughs> you must be this tall to ride a speeder bike. <laughs> See, that's that's almost. That's almost another show title right there. Jockey height to ride a speeder bike. Um, but we're still going with Stormer, Stormy Squeakies. Um, 
you know, of course, a big fight breaks out after the landing. The rebel, you know, with the with the crew gaining ultimately gaining entry, cutting off the Empire's transmissions, and taking control of the dome. Um, Rook attacks Mart, Visago, and Wolf, who are all standing by the ghost. Um, and after being chased off by a loath wolf, Rook reports uh, everything that's gone on to Thrawn. Thrawn orders his assassin to infiltrate the, the dome and deactivate the shield generator. Now, uh, Mart, was he one of the ones who was at the academy with Ezra when Ezra was in disguise there? I believe so, but I'm not 100% on that one. Or I is, think so, yeah. Or is he the other pilot that was with um, with Wedge? Oh, no. Now you got me <laughs> I know. questioning. I know. Um, well, Ezra convinces – Ezra and the, and the crew convince um, – Again, with a little persuasion, convince Price to issue Protocol 13, uh, which recalls all the Imperials on Lothal to the base uh, oh. for lockdown. And during this time, uh, yeah, uh, don't mean to interrupt, but I just looked it up and Mart was uh, the nephew of Commander Jun Sato and the leader of Iron Squadron. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Of course. And of course, Sato gets killed uh, near the beginning of season season four, doesn't he? Or was that? No, at the end of three. Yeah, during I think the, that was in During the big three. battle of three. There at the end yeah. of three. Um, Thrawn arrives with, after Rook has successfully deactivated the shield generator. Uh, the Grand Admiral opens fire on the Lothal people, uh, forcing Ezra to surrender. Uh, despite protest, Ezra gives himself to Thrawn. Uh, but again, he has a plan in place. When he arrives, when he arrives at Thrawn's Star Destroyer, um, he he tells Thrawn that, uh, "Hey, dude, you don't deserve Lothal." Um, and then, in which Thrawn replies back and his quote, "Who deserves what is irrelevant. What matters <laughs> what matters is who has power. But that is something the Jedi won't teach you. So I'll take you to someone who will." And you're like, yeah. say what? <laughs> so he takes him to the Emperor, in which we see the Emperor in a form that we usually don't see. Usually we see black hooded. Here he's in white sen- senatorial robes. And his face is... The, um, the younger Palpatine face. Indeed. And his voice, too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my dear boy. Instead of my dear boy. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes, my dear boy, I so wanted to meet you, uh, says the hologram projection of Palpatine. And here you are at last. Um, Martin Company awakened following the attack from Rook. Uh, Mar- he, Mart then runs to the ghost telling his friends that Ezra gave him a secret mission should Thrawn come to Lothal. He's about to go into high orbit around Lothal and send out a signal beacon. Who are they contacting? As Mart says, it's not, I'm not sure it's a who, more like a what. <laughs> uh, inside the base, the, the gang's looking at trying to reactivate the, the shield generator. Uh, while they're doing that, the Emperor is showing Ezra the, the part of the Jedi Temple that's inside the ship, uh, that he removed a portion of it stone by stone just for him. Uh, the reason why to save his parents, which again we talked, you know, we heard about this that oh, you know, when Palpatine was talking to Anakin, you know, I could save, 
people from dying or even bring them back. Oh, right, yeah. Um, he's kind of doing that same thing with this. Because all of a sudden, he's hearing his, his parents uh, call to him. All he's got to do is open the door. While back on the on the dome, the desperate rebel forces are, are trying to gain entry to the shield generator to bring it back. Uh, as Ezra, back to the Star Destroyer, Ezra's walking closer, seeing his parents. Uh, his father's going, son, are you coming? Um then back to the shield generator, the rebels gain their way back to the controls. Uh, they all suffer casualties, but they suffer some casualties. Melch and Gregor go down. Meanwhile, Zeb looks to confront Rook, which this whole sequence is great. Yeah. And the back, and the back and forth between that and, and Ezra and his conflict is great. Um, Palpatine still in, trying to convince Ezra to go save his parents. Um, and he reaches out, uh, and as he does, he goes, Mom, Dad, you will always be a part of me, but I have to let you go. So he's realizing they're not real. But could they be if we've, we're dealing with that world between worlds scenario from last episode or from two episodes ago? Could this be one of those portals? Yeah, I was wondering that. And if so, at what point is this? I mean, is, is this that- all before the Imperial? I mean, it seemed like it. His parents would have only known him as still a little kid, but here he is coming to him as a full-fledged adult. Yeah. Which wouldn't have made sense either. Um, Ezra closes the door, brings the, tem- the temple crumbling down, and Palpatine shouts, no. Now we start seeing um, the glitch in the, in the hologram, mm-hmm. and we see the true form of Palpatine as he emerges from the wreckage. Uh, these... Three crimson armored guards enter with weapons that raise and seemingly debilitate the Ezra. Ezra manages to hurt the tem- hurl the temple debris at- in their direction, eliminating the guards. Uh, this was kind of cool because this kind of yeah, that, that was um, very cool. Because this almost leads to oh, what was that one series that Dark Horse did? Was it Crimson Empire? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So we're kind of almost seeing seeing that how this is the elite, and I get and to me I kind of I was expecting the helmets to be I mean, if you notice the helmets are slightly different than what we see the Imperial Guard wear mm-hmm. or Royal Guard wear. So it's maybe a, a variation of a different type of squad within the unit. Yeah, it could have been. Yeah, and but, they didn't have um, they didn't have the the robes of the yeah. Imperial Guard either. But this also gave me the feel of what we saw in The Last Jedi in Snoke's chamber. Yes. Yep. Exactly. So I kept watching going, okay, are, are these helmets slightly different as well as they were with the, with the Platorian or Pelatorian guards? The Praetorian, yeah. I think so, yeah. Um, now back at the base, Zeb and Rook battle uh, while Thrawn prepares a full-scale bombardment of the city. Uh, at the last second, Callus activates the shields, leaps, Zeb leaps away to safety while Rook, uh, who's trapped on the generator per Zeb's help, um, kind of gets a shocking bit of reality that he's lost. <laughs> I know. What a feeling. Okay. Bad jokes. <clears throat> no comment. <laughs> um... As Thrawn begins his attack, uh, the shields go, you know, they get the shields up in time and it's holding safe against Thrawn's attacks. 
but there's no time to celebrate because um, Sabine needs Chopper to contact the ghost. And while Melch survived, which was interesting how he survived, I guess mm. Ugnaught's skin is a little thicker than we thought. <laughs> Gregor's, Gregor's injury ends up being a fatal one. Yep. And, and he tells Rex, uh, it was an honor to fight with you for something that we chose to believe in. Yeah, that was a good line. That was a very good line. Um, Ezra blasts his way onto Thrawn's bridge, but Thrawn was really, like, un- unmoved by it, almost like he was just brushing him off. I mm-hmm. guess they're wrestling. That would be considered a, a no-sell. Oh, <laughs> let me hit you. Brush off. Let me hit you again. Brush off. Let me bounce off the ropes. Don't move. <laughs> um, because... He's informed that there's uh, several unidentified objects that have entered the system and have destroyed the Imperial blockade. And during this time, we hear him re- reach out to a character from uh, from the books. Uh, his commander was a Commander Pellerin. Uh, I don't remember right offhand. I don't either. But... All of a sudden, here's the ghost leading the Pergils into the atmosphere. I'm like, okay, here we are with Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy again. The floating whale octopuses. (laughs) (laughs) Um, They all collide with Imperial command ships, sending them crashing into the surface. Um, And then uh, Thrawn says to Ezra, whatever happens to us or happens next happens to both of us. And Ezra goes, that's the idea. Then... the trivia or the the episode gallery says the Pergil's tentacles break through the Thrawn's viewport. Well, we already had some breakage of the of the viewports during part of the battle, right? Yeah. Um. So uh, the tentacles come through. They start grabbing Thrawn. Ezra's forced to deal with stormtroopers. Um. And of course, Thrawn blasts him from behind, a solid hit to the shoulder. Uh, though injured, Bridger, Bridger turns, shoving Thrawn back towards the tentacles with a mighty display of force power. Then Ezra closes the blast doors as more pergles uh, latch onto the ship and start to glow. That, which was kind of cool too. Yeah. So then Ezra communicates back to the to everyone back at the dome. He goes, it's up to all of you now. And remember, the Force will be with you always. <laughs> and then, boom, the Pergils and Thrawn ships uh, blast into hyperspace. So I question at this point in time, did they really survive? Because now they're going into space or hyperspace with that vacuum. And unless it, the, the shield doors to the viewports cut off the tentacles and, and the pergils, the only thing I can think of is they're dead because they're not surviving the vacuum of space. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, not even to mention what being in hyperspace would do. Right. Or if the pergils create some sort of force field around the the windows protecting everyone inside. There, there's no there's no mention. Mm. So, I mean, my assumption is Ezra's dead as well. Um, the the crew that's left behind on Lothal or Lothal, uh, they launch the dome into uh, into the sky, saying the self destruct. Uh, Price refuses to leave and perishes al- among the base as it explodes over the city. Uh, on the ghost, a recording of the crew, uh, a recording to the crew from Ezra plays, uh, saying, I'm going to miss you all, and addresses each member of the crew. 
And he says to Sabine, don't forget, I'm counting on you. But she goes, but for what? Yeah, she, mm. She's not sure. So uh, people fill the streets below, cheering the ghost as it soars above. And Lothal is finally free. Um, then we come find out uh, sometime later, after the Battle of Endor, and at the end of the Empire's reign, uh, Sabine recounts the fate of the, of the ghost crew. And talks about how Hera and Rex were a part of the Battle of Endor, solidifying that, yes, that one rebel, one rebel commando is Rex. I like that they did that. That was cool. Uh, so that, that makes it official. And then we come to find out uh, Hera has a son. Indeed, yes. And it's, and it's Kanan's son. And the name of the son is Jason. Also a nod to uh, to the old EU. Mm-hmm. So it's not the Jason people want, but... <laughs> it's the Jason they deserve. <laughs> it's the Jason you're getting. Um, so who knows where, where we go from here. Um, and of course, we had the, the Lothal, you know, the painting at the end was great. And then there's a turn, you know, and it's Sabine turns. There's some, uh, we notice her haircut's different during this whole sequence. And we see an interesting ship come in that we haven't seen in a long while. Mm-hmm. I don't think we've seen it since the Clone Wars. Yeah, I don't think so. And come find out, you know, Ahsoka's there. And Ahsoka and Sabine are now off looking for uh, for Ezra. So, um, Zeb takes Callus to a, a planet called Lerosan to show that he had not destroyed all the Lasat people, that they still exist, and that they mm-hmm. have embraced him as one of his own, of one of their own. Um, that could be an interesting buddy cop series there. <laughs> yeah, uh, that could be. And of course, you know, Hera and Rex fought in the Battle of Endor. And of course, there was a new member added, as we just talked about, Jason, uh, who takes after both his mother and father. So is there a chance he's potentially a Jedi as well? Mm-hmm. Or has the capabilities? Possibly. To, well, is not a Jedi, but capable of having force ability. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, uh, I think that was pretty much it. I think so, Oh, and in the end credits, do you notice who they finally said was the voice of Chopper? Yeah, Dave Filoni, yeah. Dave Filoni. So that, that was kind of cool. Yeah, that was cool. um, there were some things from the, uh, uh, shoot. When we look at, like, Sabine's armor at the end, there's a pergill painted on her shoulder instead of the owl. Right, yeah. Um, the the trivia tracks for or trivia gallery for this wasn't... I mean, this one was just kind of kind of black. Yeah. Um, so, but, yeah, I mean, a lot there. 90 minutes of, uh, of stuff. Yeah. But the... Uh, what did you do now? As we talked about, that's what I'm wondering. Well, that and uh, I was wondering, like, uh, what, what, uh, what, where Ezra's been all this time, of course, and uh, right. um, like what, what Ahsoka's been doing, like the whole time during the movies, the sagas and stuff. 
right? right? Since we now know she survives through through all that, right? But again, so what has she not, been doing? She's not a Jedi, right? Uh, but easily I'm she sure could she, she could have helped Luke with the with the new Jedi Order, maybe, possibly, possibly, and uh, probably during the um, during the four, five, and six movies. I'm sure she was doing something somewhere to fight the Empire. Right. Well, he, I guess here's the question. At this point in time, now that we know Ahsoka lives, and if they are finding, trying to find Ezra, or we know Sabine lives, what's the possibility of seeing any of these characters show up in the final episode movie? Mm, yeah, possibly. I would love to see Ahsoka show up with yeah, Ray. That'd be cool. And, yeah, and I would love to see see Sabine by her side. Mm, it'd be kind of weird though seeing them in live action. Yeah, but <laughs> because because we haven't. But I would also love to see the Mandalorians brought into play in this too. Yeah. So anyway, there. <sighs> I'm going to turn this next part over to you, talking about you know, the themes that, that kind of echo through to the finale. Sure. Excuse me for one moment. No problem. <laughs> oh, <great. laughs> so on StarWars.com, there's an article that says how the Star Wars Rebels finale powerfully echoes the saga's greatest themes. So uh, as the dust settles on the series finale, we're left to look at what it's added to the tapestry of the broader mythology of Star Wars, which uh, when you really look at it, it's added quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, The final episodes, particularly the season finale, hone in on Ezra Bridger and his journey as a responsible wielder of the Force, and it echoes Luke's trials through Return of the Jedi, as well as Anakin's temptations to the dark side in Revenge of the Sith, uh, where Luke has to work to save the galaxy by saving his father. Ezra has to save Lothal by saving his friends. Save the cheerleaders, save the world. Yeah. (laughs) Sure. Something like that. (laughs) Uh, They both learn that Sometimes the best way to save your friends and the things you love is to sacrifice yourself. Uh, it also brings to mind Rose Tico's last line in The Last Jedi in the most heartbreaking and beautiful ways. Uh, there's a willingness to surrender in the hero stories of Star Wars that leave our favorite characters vulnerable before they pass the next test in their development. Uh, for Luke, it was to reject the fight with his father. Uh, for Ray, it was to confront the truth about her parents while facing Ben and Snoke. And for Ezra, his parents are central to this moment, as well as Darth Sidious uh, taking the guise of kindly old Chancellor Palpatine. Uh, he shows Ezra a pathway to stay with his parents, undoing all the good he's brought to the galaxy for selfish motives of attachment. And as we know, the Jedi always say no attachments. Yep, we do. So, uh, just like Luke and Rey, Ezra rejects the offer from the dark side, proving that only by staying true to oneself and remaining selfless to save others can a true victory be brought to the galaxy. Uh, in, in Revenge of the Sith, Anakin went through this test and failed, which made his fall so much more powerful and showed us how close to to disaster Luke and Ezra really were. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. If it had gone, if it had gone, if they had gone the other way, Luke would have killed Darth Vader and would have become Palpatine's new new apprentice, and that would have been a whole different uh, story then. Yeah, it would. Interesting. Interesting. That's a that's an idea for a Marvel Marvel What If. 
Indeed, yeah. Oh, that'd be cool. Do some what-if Star Wars stories. That'd be cool. Uh, in the cases of both Anakin and Ezra, Palpatine, in the same kindly fashion, tempted the young Jedi with the potential of bringing them together with their loved ones. Uh, Palpatine intimated that he could save the life of Anakin's wife in hopes that he might live out his days with her. And for Ezra, he offers him his parents. Uh, and where Anakin turned to the dark side and became Darth Vader, Ezra resists Palpatine's temptations and brings the whole thing crashing down. <laughs> Literally. One of the most dominant themes in the Star Wars is the idea that it's never too late for a bad guy to do the right thing. Uh, that story was exemplified by Agent Callus, who did horrible things in the name of the Empire and betrayed himself doing it. Uh, no amount of fighting on behalf of the Rebellion would erase the horrible things Callus had done, but it would it would assuage some of his guilt. Right. So at the at the end of Rebels, when Zeb takes Callus to Lirasan after the war to show him that the Lasat still thrive and he didn't wipe them out. It's powerful. That Yeah, that was actually, that was a pretty good moment. Uh, the Lasat accept him and forgive him and that is a testament to the healing power of love and forgiveness. The same power that brought Darth Vader back to the light. Uh, although the Ghost Crew Ghost Crew story might be the main through line with the most potential consequences in the finale of Rebels, other characters are brought to the forefront as well. Uh, through characters like Hondo and Ketsu, we see the scoundrel-turned-hero story that made us initially fall in love with Han. Uh, even these stories exemplify the selflessness that Ezra does. <laughs> Hondo seems unwilling to admit that he's doing a good thing if he's in the presence of others, but in his own quiet moments, he proves he really has a heart of gold, even if he would steal that gold for himself. Right. Ultimately... Uh, the story of Star Wars is one of hope in the face of sacrifices. It's a story of forgiveness and love conquering evil. It's about selflessness beating back selfishness and blossoming into freedom. Uh, the people of Lothal are able to gain their freedom sooner than many other parts of the galaxy because of the ghost crew. Seeing them revel in that freedom as the more familiar planets of the galaxy did at the end of Return of the Jedi is a powerful image to help close out the series. Yep. So the, the story of the Ghost Crew has become part of Star Wars mythology, adding to it, enhancing it, and strengthening it. It's a story about a family, and unlike the Skywalkers, the Bonds aren't of familial blood, but of friendship and united purpose. The stories and Rebels give us characters that come together to put aside their selfishness to help the galaxy. And at its core, that's what Star Wars is about. And Rebels brought that example to us in spades. Yep. So there really, it really is just another Star Wars story. Yes, it is. Well, I'm going to say before we get to the next story, um, kind of another sad day in the Star Wars universe. Uh, Heather Antos, who's been the assistant editor at Mar been an assistant editor at Marvel Comics and uh, principally on the Star Wars Deadpool Gwenpool books, with Gwenpool being one of her pet projects. Um, which also ended this week, um, is leaving Marvel. Really? Uh, she is going to be the new editor-in-chief of Unicorn. Uh, Unicorn is the worldwide leader in eSports betting and is based in Las Vegas. Really? Yeah. 
she will be managing and overseeing all editorial content, podcasts, tournament coverage, and video content, uh, which like which looks like it will be expanding. Could it cover comics as well? People betting on which issue of Amazing Spider-Man that will be, <laughs> that the Red Goblin will actually appear in, or what are they doing that anyway? So, um, so she's been she's been tweeting as well, tweeting as well. Um, you know, basically saying uh, it's been a long time goal of hers to to branch out into the video game and competitive esports world, uh, and to do so under the guidance and leadership of. Uh, okay, who are these people? She's given Twitter handles, uh, Ryan Gerardo and Rahul Sood, who are the, okay. uh, who are head of global content and, and, uh, and CEO respectively. Uh, Rahul Sood is CEO and Ryan Gerardo is head of global content. Um, so, um, apparently with, uh, with Ryan, she had worked with him before uh, on a on a project on uh, YouTube. Mm. So, yep. Sorry to see her go. Uh, she's part of. I think she's part of the reason why Thrawn's got a comic series. Mm. Um, so, um, looking at our time as we're recording, um, I know we're definitely going to be hitting the three big stories of this week. Well, the the big two stories. John Favreau is going to be the executive producer and write the live action Star Wars series that's coming to the uh, Disney streaming service. Uh, it was announced on March eighth, uh, which is what Tuesday? No, Thursday. Thursday. That Lucasfilm is excited to announce that Emmy-nominated producer and actor John Favreau has signed on to executive produce and write a live-action Star Wars series for Disney's new direct-to-consumer platform. Favreau is no stranger to the Star Wars galaxy, having played roles in both Star Wars The Clone Wars and in the upcoming Star Wars solo Star Wars story. Hmm... Uh, I couldn't be more excited about John coming on board to produce and write for the new direct-to-consumer platform, says Lucasfilm president Kathleen Kennedy. John brings the perfect mix of producing and writing talent combined with a fluency in the Star Wars universe. So let him have a movie as well. He didn't do too bad with Iron Man and Iron Man 2. Indeed. Um, this series will allow John the chance to work with a device group or diverse group device group, diverse group of writers and directors, and give Lucasfilm the opportunity to build a robust talent base. So, well, to me, it might sounded, not want to do one of the movies. Um, I think I don't know if, if he has the opportunity. I would say to to do one, but do the one that he wants. Yeah, I mean, initially see, you'd think you'd think like I'd love to see him do it, but then you got to wonder like the thing of that is some directors are not afraid of it, but they don't right. they don't want to jump into that pool. <laughs> well, the question would be which movie or who who could we see him be the perfect fit for character wise? Hmm, I don't know. I think I'm thinking Thrawn. I, I think I, I think I finally figured out who I would want to play Thrawn. Oh yeah, Benedict Cumberbatch. Mm. Mm. I like that. Yeah, 
if it's not that, if it's not Cumberbatch, David Tennant, <laughs> one or the other. I yeah, that either, could be interesting. Either one of them would be great. So to continue on with this press release, uh, Favreau is thrilled to be returning to the Star Wars galaxy. Uh, his quote, if you told me at 11 years old that I'd be getting to tell stories in the Star Wars universe, I wouldn't have believed you. I can't wait to embark upon this exciting adventure. Uh, the collaboration between Favreau and Disney goes back uh, a little over a decade, where he helped launch the Marvel Cinematic Universe as director of Iron Man and Iron Man 2, as and as an executive producer for Iron Man and the Avengers films. Uh, he also directed and produced the massively successful Jungle Book which won an Academy Award for its groundbreaking visual effects and is currently in production on Disney's highly anticipated uh, live-action Lion King set for release in 2019. So the untitled live-action series does not have a release date yet, partially because the service doesn't have a release date yet. Mm. So Of course. Would it? I would love to see Favreau back. I would... Yeah. I was. I wouldn't mind seeing him do another. Besides the Thrawn movie, let's do a like a Republic Commandos movie. Hmm. Interesting, or or something along those lines. Um, I mean, do we focus on the five hundred first and, and do Captain Oppo? Is it Captain Oppo or is it Commander Oppo with the five hundred first? But. See where like Rex leaves. Mm. Um, the other question: with with Favreau be a great choice for a possible Ahsoka film? And mm -hmm. we see what possibly, and we see what she's been doing from the time she left the the Academy or left the Jedi Order up to the time we see her at Rebels. That can be interesting as well. But I'm curious to know what he's going to do with the with the series. Yeah, me too. So, and it's, since it's a series, excuse me. And um, that could there's a lot of interesting possibilities for that for an actual series. Maybe that's where we get the Republic Commandos. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Tales of the Clones. <laughs> Why stormtroopers squeak? <laughs> um, but I think we're gonna be coming close to wrapping things up with with this final story, and that would be about the the last big thing that that broke this week and that's the deleted scene that we're going to get one of the deleted scenes we're getting on the last jedi on, on the blue hey, yes well um so there it was recently revealed that one of the the deleted scenes will be showing off more of the battle between finn and captain phasma in the last jedi um and with it coming it's coming the whole media release is coming in a couple of weeks yep and uh, we saw we've seen some sneak peeks at some of the stuff that it has to offer. And uh, the Star Wars show uh, showed off a different battle between Captain Phasma and Finn. Uh, after Phasma has Finn surrounded by stormtroopers, Finn reveals to the other stormtroopers just how quickly Phasma gave up the shield code codes for Starkiller Base in The Force Awakens. And then... As for what happens next, you just have to watch and find out. Uh, but in regards to why the scene was cut short, uh, director Ryan Johnson felt the need to uh, to change it because of pacing. He's, he, he's quoted as saying, pacing, entirely pacing. I really like the little moment of Phasma being caught and getting called out by John. 
and that little game of chess that they have, but we needed a much more condensed version of that scene where essentially it's the same outcome. Uh, so even though it looked like Phasma met her end at, in uh, The Last Jedi, actress Gwendolyn Christie, who plays Phasma, said that she hopes the character will once again return f- return uh, for Episode Nine, but doesn't know whether she will. And she said, in truth, I don't know. And that scares and upsets me because I really want to see this character explored. I'm actually very invested in the character now, and that's genuine. That's not just chat. It has opened up a chain of of stories and events in my mind about who Phasma is. Well, there's always a possibility of a Phasma solo movie. Yeah. Uh, actually, maybe a solo uh, Phasma series. Oh, yeah, that could be interesting. We're, we're just writing scripts all over the place, aren't we? Mm. I think with um, in that quote, she said she's worried about them not not about her not getting to play Phasma again. But with all the all the things that Star they're doing with Star Wars these days, there's still a possibility that she could get to to uh, reprise the role. In one way or another. Well, especially since people she's already familiar with are already coming on to do another three movies of their own. And that's the crew from uh, Game of Thrones. Oh, right. Yeah. So, um... From there, uh, I guess some final thoughts that that we've got. Uh, First one, Bleeding Cool has released because apparently it's come across on the Star Wars Twitter. The uh, first look at the Star Wars lobby or the solo lobby display, Mm. which is a Falcon. It looks like the cockpit with the crew all all around it. And you get a chance to sit next to Han Solo (laughs) in Han Solo's chair, not Chewie's chair, um, with everything in the background. Nice. So since we haven't had a lot of push of Solo, it uh, be nice to see this type of display uh, show up. And then finally, too, and this is something we were both kind of looking at before uh, the show, uh, Sideshow Collectibles uh, unveils their sixth scale Job of the Hut. Coming in at 13 inches tall and 29 inches wide, sitting on top of his throne, with uh, Salacious Crumb, his sidekick, right next to him. This could be yours for the price of $795. What comes with this? Um, A detailed likeness of Jabba the Hutt, as seen in Return of the Jedi. Swappable features for various display options, including one set of sleeping eyes, one set of open eyes, one set of wide eyes, one closed mouth, one open mouth, one open mouth with tongue, one set of left and right resting arms, one right pointing arm, one left gripping hand. And then salacious scrum comes with um, articulated arms, alternate open mouth head, left right cross legs, alternate left right relaxed legs, and fabric pillow. And then the throne has a removable hookah with pipe, aquarium with non-removable clatoon patty frog, three cups, one plate of food, one clatoon patty frog, a clatoon patty frog, one fur-like rug, leather-like rug, and nine various pillows in different colors and designs. This thing is pretty cool. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, it is. So, um, yeah. Where it's just one of those like, uh, is it worth the seven hundred and ninety five dollars? Uh, that's debatable, but <laughs> still kind of very impressive. 
Uh, and then finally, the book's coming out this week. Uh, we're going into, what, the 14th? Yeah. Um, we got Darth Vader number 13 uh, on Wednesday and Thrawn 2 coming out. That's it for, for the U.S. Uh, what's coming out? Let me see if there's anything different for the U.K. In the U.K., uh, we have Vader and Thrawn, Vader 13 and Thrawn 12, but also uh, Star Wars Insider number 179 comes to the U.K. So, yeah, on that note, any final thoughts? Yes, actually, I got a couple, uh, two things. Uh, number one, uh, in a recent interview, Andy Serkis kind of was hinting that uh, maybe someday there could be a potential uh, Snoke film. Uh, because That'd be interesting. Yeah, it would. He said uh, he did discuss backstories with J.J. and Ryan, uh, and he they asked him not to say anything about the, any backstories in case they want to bring him back. Uh, in a prequel or something, and uh, nobody's in discussions about it. He's not talking to anybody about it yet, but the potential is there to someday possibly have it. Okay. So those people who are worried about Snoke getting wiped out in Last Jedi, yeah, maybe you'll get to finally learn more about him. Maybe that was a life model decoy. Sorry. Yeah, maybe. Wrong universe. <laughs> and uh, then the the last the last thing I have is I just saw a thing pop up on my Twitter. It was a video of Mark Hamill's um, uh, getting his star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Right. So again, I want to say congratulations. And yes. It's about time. And in the video, it was nice to see there were there were like hundreds of fans that came out yeah. to 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 see it. So we would have been there if we lived out there. Yes, we would have. But uh, so, yeah, congratulations, Mark Hamill. Uh, it's about time. <laughs> and that's all I have. Yep. Well, next week we're going to do a Star Wars Rebels roundtable. Uh, we got some great people coming on for that. So we'll keep you apprised next week with that. Uh, so anything that you have you want to talk to us about with Rebels, uh, leave us a voicemail on the website or uh, drop us a line at wookieradio at or wookie at wookieradio.net as I'm stambling. <laughs> and, uh, or hit us up on Twitter or Facebook, so at Wookie Radio. Um, and if that wraps it up for us, let's just say until next time. Give the evacuation code signal. I can hold it. Pull out! No, I'm all right. I have placed information vital to the survival of the rebellion into the memory systems of this R2 unit. I've lost R2.